Welcome, this is the Change Creator Podcast. Hey, what's going on everybody? This is your host, Adam Force. Welcome back for another week of the Change Creator Podcast show. Just in case you missed it last week, we spoke with Brian Hill. He's the founder of Edovo, and they are disrupting the prison industry. You don't hear about this too much, and the stuff he has done is really incredible, and there's a lot to learn from. Uh, Their persistence and innovation to actually break these boundaries. I mean, talk about disrupting a status quo. Uh, Brian Hill and his team are doing amazing work. Check that out. I think you're going to get a lot out of it and find it really interesting. Today, we are going to be talking with Karen and Elizabeth. They are the founders of a company called Zoetica, and their mission is to free the world of convenience trash. It's filling up our landfills. It's polluting everything everywhere, and especially the plastic, guys. The plastic is the big one, and so they've come up with some really creative and innovative solutions to help people break free from those everyday lifestyle habits, right? It is. It surrounds us so much that we almost can't get away from it, so they have created something to help help make that easier. And this transition is taking place. So I'm excited for you guys to learn about Zoetica. I think you're going to love what they offer. And on top of it, I had a chance to actually meet with Karen in person while she was in town here in Miami. So we had a cup of coffee. We bullshitted for a while. Um, Really cool, smart woman, um, obviously knows what she's doing. So I think there's a lot you can learn from her experience. She's been an entrepreneur for over 20 years, and this is her second business. The first one is a B Corp called uh, Montagna Distillers. And so for today, we'll be diving into topics to learn more about how are they building Zoetica, how are they innovating these solutions and managing their e-commerce, all those good things that I think you guys are going to love. I know you're going to dig this. Hey, Karen and Elizabeth, welcome to the Change Creator Podcast show. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Um, you guys are out in Colorado, and I've never been there, but I've always wanted to because I hear it's really sunny, and I love the mountains. Oh, it's great out here. <laughs> How long have you been in Colorado together? I've been out here 29 years. Love it. Love this community. Love this town. Love the mountains. Awesome. And I've, I've been in, uh, in Crested Butte for about eight years and in Colorado for about almost 20 Excellent. Wow. Okay. You guys are Colorado experts. So, um, you know, we like to always kick things off a little background just to level set for everybody. Um, So Elizabeth, um, why don't you go first and then Karen, just give me a little bit of your background in a nutshell, uh, how you got to where you are today with uh, your two companies that we're going to talk about. Um, well, for Zoetica, I've been, well, I've been self-employed with my own business, a property management company and some other businesses. But right now, about a year and a half ago, after the recent election, we just felt this overwhelming um, sense that the administration was going to have a lot of pullback with a lot of environmental yeah. issues going on. And so we just were trying as an individual to make change. Um, and we kept coming up with these ideas and it, it kind of had a life of its own and all of a sudden we had these kits and lots of people were asking us, where can we get this kit? How can, you know, how can we do this? And we tested all these products and then this whole business kind of just came alive out of us trying to make the change that we want to see in the world rather than waiting for someone else to make the change. And 
and bringing more awareness, bringing solutions to individuals, businesses, corporations um, to also get on board. Yeah, I love that. So that's in a nutshell. Perfect. Um, so I, I, I love Zoetica because I'm a huge, um, I guess I, I have a huge issue when it comes especially to like plastic pollution. I noticed on your website, you have a picture of the, um, the grocery store with all the, the uh, soft drink bottles. <laughs> I mean, you go into these grocery stores today and you just can't get away from all the, um, the wasteful plastic and, uh, packaging, just like you guys are addressing. So what was the process to begin, I guess, ideating solutions around that? How, how do you start coming up with product ideas and making them real? So uh, this is Karen. And um, the, the way that we came upon this whole concept for us was that we were trying every single day to make a commitment personally to stop using throwaway plastic. So single use plastic, uh, anything that was only going to get one use and then get thrown away or recycled, we were making a conscious commitment together to try to stop doing that. And uh, one of the things that happened was we found it really hard. Uh, we, we spent, Elizabeth and I spent days and days uh, testing different things, borrowing things from friends, trying to see what would work uh, so that we could say no, trying different strategies with the people that we met. And it just simply was incredibly hard. And we knew that if we were going to do this successfully every day, we were going to have to have a system. And the system was going to have to be with us every day. And it was going to have to you know, not be something we would leave at home or leave in the car. And that led to a, a process of finding the right products, the right uh, connections so that we could do it every single day. And it took us about eight months to, to get to that point. And now you should see us. We're kind of a force. We, we do it every day and we do it all day. And we, we have, you know, we fail occasionally, but we have very few compromises that we make and we're educating people around us all the time. It's really fun. So, so I'm looking at, for example, a product here, you have a, um, the Z cup, right? And so you have a lot of different products, grocery kits, and I, I just picked this one randomly. So now you went through the process of saying, okay, let's let's get a steel cup because you know we don't want plastic and all that kind of stuff. Um, and you what went to a manufacturer, found one that you can you know put your name on. So you had to go through that that whole process of selecting and finding different products and figuring out how to do distribution and all those types of things, right? Yes, and we you know the companies we work with, we work with about. Um, 12 different companies. We try to work with the companies that are B Corps or that are in align with our values as well. And maybe don't, you know, we try to get them to not package so much because they're sending it to us. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff that we have to work with, with it, with these other companies as well. And we also knew that we didn't want to be experts in every single category. So we didn't want to, um, try to make our own perfect cup and our own perfect uh, to-go container and our own perfect straw and perfect, you know, produce bag and shopping bag and everything. We knew that there were companies out there that were specializing in, in each of those categories, yep. um, but they weren't collaborating. They weren't coming together to create a system. And that was really where we saw our best uh, kind of effect was to bring all of those products into one beautiful, lightweight, 
space saving system that you could have with you all the time. Yeah, no, I like it. And, you know, I can really appreciate the approach because, you know, the whole zero waste concept is, I think, important. It's a whole mindset shift and more and more people are interested in buying those products. Um, And so did you find it difficult to keep costs reasonable when looking to work with B Corps or people that align to your values? You know, it's we pick high quality high quality products and the the our our whole philosophy is if it's durable it's sustainable yep you're buying crap and you're not really you're not and you're distributing that you're not solving the problem we're hoping that you know you use your kit for 10 15 years i mean i don't see any way that this stuff is going to break down this stainless steel and it's it's more environmental to produce stainless steel rather than other products. So that's why we went with that. And yeah, there's a, there's a price tag, but it's an investment. It's an investment into a change in your life. And I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's also caused us to have to create a different business model than most companies like us. So we are exclusively a sell direct online platform. We don't, have um other uh we don't use a you know like a wholesale model we don't actually sell to other companies to sell our product in their stores in their uh you know we will actually sell direct to those companies at a discount but we don't have i think what you were getting at is that we don't have the margins that a lot of companies that make their own products have we are working with third-party partners. But the more we grow, the bigger we get, the better the margins get, the more we can pass those savings on to our customers. Um, But it is a conversation we have a lot with our customers about how one of the mindsets that that our culture has gotten into is we want things cheap and we want them immediately at the price that feels comfortable. And we're asking them to think about a much longer-term uh, payoff. So buy something today, it's a little more expensive, but it pays off over 2000 or, or 3000 uses instead of over 27 uses or, or, you know, even 50 uses. Yeah, no, I think it makes sense. And you guys both answered my question in two different ways because, you know, we talk to a lot of entrepreneurs who are looking to start certain businesses. And when you do lean into this space and you're trying to create, like you said, durable products that are going to last a long time, because this is, we're trying to get away from the throwaway culture. Um, they do come at a higher expense, but you're getting a lot more out of it. So it's kind of like a little bit of a, a cultural and mind shift, uh, mindset shift around the purchasing process. So getting really into quality, you know, I, even in my family, when I grew up, it, my father would always tell me when I was a young kid, he'd say, you know, you could buy something cheap, but you're just going to buy it several times over and end up spending more money than buying one quality product. And I think you guys are getting into this, you know, here's a quality product, get 15 years out of it. And I think it's a much better model. Well, and one of the biggest barriers that we experience to people buying into the concept of refusing single-use products is cleanliness. Uh, It's the number one thing that we encounter is that people are worried about things being clean, and we totally get that. And so one of the realities of every product we source is that it can be sterilized and cleaned so that you can keep it in circulation without putting yourself at any risk of, of an exposure to a bacteria or something like that. And so, you know, that's going to be our biggest hurdle in getting the world to take on a, a better 
zero waste model is making sure that they can keep everything really clean and in really good condition. Yep. No, that makes sense. I actually haven't thought about that. And that's a really great point because if you're going to hold on to something for so long, you've got to be able to clean it in a way that keeps it uh, sanitary. So I think that that's a really important point. Um, now, I, I, I'd like to just ask, and, and you guys can share as much as you're willing to share, but I always would like to know when you're getting started with a company like this. I mean, I assume, I see you guys are on, on I got a couple questions because I see you guys are on Shopify, which is a popular platform. So this is a drop shipping model, I, I assume. You guys are not carrying overhead, correct? We're not carrying a ton of overhead. Yeah, we have a we have a really lean business model. So um, our offices are in a co-working space, which we think is an amazing kind of environmental approach where instead of holding down a whole office just for us with extra space that we can grow into, we have other co-workers who are sharing our space and have their computers and and you know, their infrastructure around us, which has been awesome. And then we have some, you know, warehouse storage space where we can keep our products, but we are able to have very little overhead. We're not using a dropship model in the sense of a third party drop shipping for us or our companies that we partner with drop shipping for us. We bring everything in house, we package it up into our own systems, and then we um, and then we ship it off ourselves with minimal packaging. We're using all 100% recycled boxes, like reused boxes. Like we don't buy new boxes unless we absolutely have to uh, yeah. for a particular shape. So everything we're doing is sort of all the way down through the model meeting our environmental objectives. Wow, that's impressive. And so, so then you do have uh, inventory that you guys have to hold for orders. Is that correct? Absolutely. And we do. We keep a minimal um, amount on stock. So ah, interesting. And so and that's because you want to control the packaging. Is that right? It's partly because we're still growing. So we're only a year and a half old. And um, one of the things that happens when you buy huge um, quantities of things is that you can't be nimble. Um, so what, one of the things we've done a lot of over the last year is really adapt and adjust to our customer feedback. So if someone says, you know, I love this, but um, we, we've been incredibly able to uh, get rid of one product and bring in another product. Sometimes we find now that we're getting some recognition in the marketplace, people are coming to us and saying, hey, I have this product that you might be interested in. And we're finding better and better solutions. So if we'd had like a warehouse full of, you know, 10,000 things that we'd just brought in from a, a factory in China, we would, we would potentially be just contributing to the waste factor that we're trying to eliminate. So the fewer things we keep on hand, the more nimble we are to be able to ch make change to the product line until we really feel like we've got it nailed. Yeah. Um, and we're doing that in partnership with our customers. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, and, and so what kind of money did you guys need to put in to get your, to get Zoetica started at this point, if you're willing to share? Um, so we, we started with an, again, a really lean model. Um, we have about five investors who've come in for relatively low, uh, investments as they go in the world of startups sure. and saying, um, and you know, they've come in because they are serious, uh, supporters of the zero waste philosophy primarily. Um, unlike most venture in this world of business, they are all women, 
Um, so we're, we're sort of reinventing the world of, of venture capital in our own way by having our investor core also be all women because women have very few opportunities. You know, they get 10, 2% of the venture capital out in the business world. Um, and so we are trying to, in our kind of social entrepreneurship, we're changing a lot of different layers of the model that we're involved with. Um, and so we've started kind of slow and small. We could have gone hard out of the gate with a lot more investment, but um, I think we might have made some more mistakes along the way. And so this is a this is a way to kind of get everything dialed before we we kind of go big. Okay. Okay. So so five investors. Um, and w- what did you guys have to do to um, be investor ready? H- how did you get investors? Did you have relationships already? There's a lot of people in our audience that reach out and funding is always an issue. And, and many times it's not funding that they need, even though that's what they think they need. Um, you know, but there's a lot of people that do need funding in order to either start, but also to really grow to a next uh, step. And they struggle to connect with investors or have the right positioning and story. So can you share some of the uh, steps you have taken that worked well for you to get these five investors? I think probably the thing that has benefited us the most has been the fact that I have had another company for about 10 years um, that has grown exponentially over that period and has now a lot more investors. And I've, I've known for a long period of time sort of what it takes that you have to have a really excellent pitch deck that you need to have, you know, you need to constantly be engaged in good photography of what you're doing, good video of what you're doing. Um, and that you really need to create a visual, a branding visual from day one that people look at and say, wow, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, wow, I can relate to that, or I think it's simple or it appeals to my sensibilities. Um, so I'd already been through that. Elizabeth has had a property management company for a long time. And so she's been amazing with our customer interface, with our shipping interface. She does so many of the daily tasks that kind of keep us connected to our customers. She does our newsletter, et cetera. Um, but really my focus has been more about trying to be a company that can, as we will next week, walk into a room with a you know a corporation that has 260,000 employees and say, hey, we think we can help you to create a better model in your employment uh, environment. And so, you know, I think it's I think to some extent, our we, we just believe that it's the right thing to do, and we believe and we believe in the story so much that that really helps. Yeah, uh, yeah. But we've also worked really hard to not overwhelm the idea with way too much, um, just too much, you know, or we're, when you're a zero waste focused person, you try to keep every single thing you do as, as clean and lean as possible. And, and that's been, I think another big helpful aspect for us is that we're not pumping money out the door every day in our overhead. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's great. So, you know, you had experience, um, you had some relationships and then a big focus on your brand presentation and positioning. And I, I love the idea of being lean because people get scattered, um, especially with startups and they try to do so many different things that they're spread thin and it loses focus on really what they're all about. So the idea of keeping the company focus lean, um, I think is a great, a great tip <laughs> for people listening right now. 
Um, so tell me what's going on next week. You guys are talking to these folks. What's that about? We, Elizabeth and I are going to San Francisco next week and we have four corporate pitches, um, over the course of two days. Um, so really what we're doing is, um, we're looking at companies that have a really strong environmental ethos and, um, but we also are recognizing that they have major missing links in what they're doing. So people, you know, someone who's in charge of sustainability for a big corporation might be going to Starbucks every single day and getting a plastic, uh, iced beverage cup. And that's where the disconnect is. And we're just working really hard to, like, to bring solutions and, try to get them equipped with some kits from us so that they can give these, provide them to their employees and stop this big um, kind of gap that's happening. You know, a lot of these people are saying that we're, you know, we're lead certified with our buildings, but then again, everybody's using to go containers and yeah. it, it's, I think there's a big um, disconnect with um, also climate change and the production of plastic. I don't think people put those two together. And so we're there to kind of share some ideas and brainstorm of how we can help them. Smart, smart. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Um, and I love the idea of just getting involved with the larger companies because they do have such a big footprint. Um, you know, I worked at WebMD for a long time and it's a great, great company. They always had this Poland Spring refrigerator with all the little Poland Spring water bottles. And every day people go in and grab five and six plastic water bottles at a time. And he used to just drive me crazy. I literally would speak to our CEO and president um, and I would ask, like, how, how much are you spending on these, <laughs> you know, Poland Spring bottles? And I'd have this conversation conversation. And sooner or later, they finally got rid of it. And they gave everybody their own, um, you know, water bottle cups that they, that were reusable, um, and made that step. But it's these types of things that are so, so important. So I, I love hearing that you guys are getting involved and in taking your solutions and trying to infuse them into these other corporate lifestyles. Um, but it leads me to a question. The question is, well, that's a really smart idea for your business. But how, do you, how did you get those meetings? Is that based on relationships you have? How did you get involved? And who, how did you get in touch with the right people to, to get set up there? I think it's um, partially just networking and knowing people. Our first, we our very first order was a very large corporate order for Hollywood, for a lot of um, Hollywood producers and stuff. But that was about a year ago. And we had barely even set up shop and we had an order for 400 um, kits. And so we were put to the test and we were able to do it and ship it out. And it was one of the best gifts they've ever had. But um, that was through connections of people we know and people sharing um, our stuff with other people that they think would benefit from it. And then for these meetings coming up, it's, it's just putting going through the line and contacting people you know and saying hey do you know anyone here or do you know anyone there and before you know it, we have four meetings next week that's it's awesome so so your tip i think then to people listening is you know you want to lean into your network as much as you can and start there right Absolutely. I mean, I think that's number one. <laughs> yeah, I, I 100% agree. And it's funny because people start just jumping into cold emails. They search for the companies they want and they start looking for who do I contact here. And and I think that the steps you guys took are the right ones, which is, you know, let's let's look at who I know and where do you currently work and who do you know at these other companies? You know what I mean? So it's that whole networking approach, which super valuable. Uh, those partnerships, that network is is highly, highly valuable. Um, 
really fun for us too because um you know, in order to have a friend pitch us to a, a coworker who's in charge of sustainability. So in this environment of, of teleworking and people, you know, we have a lot of people in our mountain community here in Colorado who work for large corporations around the country and sometimes around the world. And we also have some folks who, who summer here or this is where their vacation and ski destination or mountain biking destination is so a really vibrant national and international community coming and going um and so you know in order to make those connections we have to be really good at telling our story and and getting people excited about what we're doing and having them constantly see what we're up to and so it's all this kind of scaffolding of okay we had to have a good website and then we had to have a you know, on top of that, we had to have a good Instagram and a good Facebook and good photography. And, and then when they take that person back to take a look at us in an office in New York or Miami or San Francisco, they're saying, now you see what they're doing. And if we didn't have all that kind of scaffolding set up, we would be in a world of hurt, I'm sure. Exactly, exactly. It's got to have that good presence uh, for perception and and let them know that you're serious, you know, right? So I think that's really important when it comes down to branding. And it's a mark a lot of people tend to miss. Um, And and so if you reach, let's say you get connected, someone's like, hey, cool, I'm going to connect you to so-and-so at company B. And you're like, all right, great. Now, now you got to sell them on the idea. So, right, you get the meeting, but you got to like actually convince them that this is worth their time and talking to all their employees or whatever it might be. Do you have? Um, do you walk them through anything like a, a some type of deck or a media kit or something that kind of like explains everything? Do you have like a one sheet or how do you guys facilitate that conversation? Well, <laughs> you're going to kind of chuckle at this because we've had a little bit of a of an underhanded approach, um, in some of these approaches that has been kind of funny and, and luckily very well received. Um, because a lot of people that sit in the C-suite or they sit at the top desks of, of a company, they often don't see what happens every single day in their own corporate offices or when people travel, they're not out there in the airport with their employees who are going to and from, you know, distribution centers nationally or whatever. And so um, we have actually, in, in some cases, created a little internal network of employees um, who believe in what we're doing. And we've asked them to do some documentation of what they see every day. So take a picture of your landfill bound trash can in your office. Take a picture of Take a video of people walking in and out of the office building today. Um, And so when we meet with these higher ups, a lot of times the initial response is, you know, we are doing such a good job on this. And, you know, we live in a city that is so dedicated to great recycling and we have a really good recycling program. And if you flash onto the screen on a a Zoom conference or in a face-to-face meeting that you know, this is a picture of your trash can on the seventh floor of your corporate office today at 8.27 a.m. <laughs> it's filled, it's filled with coffee, you know, single-use coffee cups with plastic tops, single-use uh, to-go containers that are not heading into the recycling, um, you know, and, and just say, there's, there's, a, there's an issue. And if we can first at least be on the same page about the issue, then we can talk about the solutions. Um, But the biggest challenge is often, so when we go to San Francisco next week, we will sit in the lobby 
of a fairly large corporate building and do some documentation of our own and be able to bring that into our presentation. And it's, it's risky because you don't want to offend anyone, but really what you're doing is just saying, you know, we all are guilty of this. We see what we see that is that, you know, kind of makes the day work, but we want to take the blinders off right now and see the reality. And this is, this reality is not just true here in your building. It's true all throughout the United States and throughout the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a new one for me. I haven't heard that approach. So I appreciate you sharing that. I think that's pretty cool. It's quirky, but it's also, uh, sharing a reality that might hit home. Cause you're right. You know, people don't really know all the, the details of everything going in and out. And if you can show that visually in some way, that's much more impactful. Um, I think that's pretty cool. So great. Um, and we have a few minutes left, and I, I have two things I want to cover. One is, what's been the biggest challenge getting to where you are now? It sounds like you have some interesting traction. You've gotten funding, um, and you're getting into some big meetings with these larger companies um, for larger distribution deals. So, you know, uh, what were some of the bigger challenges from now, from the start until now, that you've come across in actually getting this going? I would say the number one challenge is that we don't know what our customers are going to get excited about. Um, we know what we're excited about, but we've been we've had crazy runs on certain aspects of our product line because you know people are like, "That's what I've been looking for," or "That's the missing link for me." Um, so a good example is that one of the things we're working the hardest to eliminate is. Ziplocs. Um, yeah. Ziplocs are just kind of the bane of schools, the bane of corporations, the bane of the lunchroom. Um, you know, and I was, Elizabeth and I were fully addicted. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> big outdoors people and you throw the, you know, your sandwich in a Ziploc and you take it in your backpack on a, on a peak climb or yep. whatever. Yep. And so we had to figure out how to eliminate that. And, you know, so what, so what we've done is we've found a product that we searched high and low, um, that we absolutely love. It comes in different, in different sizes and it acts pretty much exactly like your Ziploc bag, but you can turn it inside out and put it on the top shelf of the dishwasher and it gets sterile and clean. And so we, um, we, we cannot keep them in stock. We can't keep our produce bags in stock because people have gotten really good about using reusable shopping bags, but they're kind of crummy about using produce, plastic produce bags. Um, yeah. so we've had a big run on those kinds of things. Like this summer we, you know, found that a lot of parents make, well, they want to give their kids popsicles all summer, but they hate the plastic wrap and the you know, the single use, everything. And so we had a big run on our stainless steel popsicle uh, forms, you know, the molds, and we just didn't, we didn't have any clue. So luckily, we, we have these partners who are willing to help us try to keep up and send us things in short, you know, short order, instead of having to wait 13 weeks until the ship yeah. comes in from yeah. China or something like that. We have a lot of USA made products and those Ziplocs are made in the USA. So we can get them a little more easily, but we also, you know, sometimes we have to wait for them as well. Got it. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I know. You guys have a ton of stuff. I'm like blown away by how many things it's only been a year and a half or whatever the, the time frame there. Um, it's incredible. You guys have found a lot of great products and uh, got a nice uh, catalog here. 
So before you go, um, I just want to make mention that to everybody listening that these uh, two hardworking ladies have also a second company, um, Montagna, where they make rum. And I love this because um, it's a it's certified B Corp. And um, they also uh, lean into, you know, having a clean process, right? So, um, you know, reducing waste and all the other types of things that come along with developing and packaging and putting all this stuff together. Maybe you could tell people just a little bit about that as we wrap up here. I'm going to let Karen take that because I have nothing to do with Montagna's. That is okay. her That is her baby. <laughs> okay. Go for it. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, it's. I guess someone asked me the other day, like, when did you start to think about having an environmental or socially responsible company? And I thought, when did I not? You know, like, I can't remember the day when I woke up and thought, oh, now I should try to have some better practices. Um, It's been pretty much since day one. And it's actually one of the things that I love the most about being self-employed or being an entrepreneur is that I get to decide, you know, like I also get all the stress and all the, you know, like, oh, I also have to pay the payroll and the sales tax and everything. But, um, but I get to decide. And so, um, you know, long ago, I just started implementing a step-by-step process in the company where every single decision we make is evaluated for, is this good for the environment um, or bad? Is this good for our employees or bad? Is this good for our community or bad? You know, so we submit almost every single buying decision, every single, you know, manufacturing decision, every distribution decision and every, um, you know, kind of corporate decision to that that evaluation. And it has been pretty amazing because, you know, we do things that other people are inspired by, but we just can't even think about doing it any other way. It's so ingrained in the DNA and the culture of who we are as a as a company and makes it a lot easier when people who get hired on are like, I want to go work for this B Corp. I want to go work for this company that shares my values about, you know, social and environmental responsibility. And and that's made it much easier to have a team approach like that. Yeah, no, that's great. Thanks for sharing that. So thank you both for taking the time today. Um, Why don't you guys give yourself just a shout out? Um, You know, where do people learn about Zoetica and and get your products? I want to just kind of give that a a quick shout. Um, Zoeticalife.com is our website and you can learn more about who we are, what we do, and you can shop there. Zoetica is um, from the word zoetic, meaning awake and aware and cognizant. Um, so cool. And guys, you spell that Z as in zebra, O E T I C A life, zoetica life.com. All right. Well, thank you both very, very much. I appreciate your time and sharing all your uh, expertise. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Take care now. That's all for this episode. Your next step is to join the change creator revolution by downloading our interactive digital magazine app for premium content, exclusive interviews, and more ways to stay on top of your game. Available now on iTunes and Google Play or visit changecreatormag.com. We'll see you next time where money and meaning intersect right here at the Change Creator Podcast.